And a lot of the baby food has heavy metals, and heavy metals can also Jesus lead to autism. Christ. I know, poor babies, poor babies. Uh, again, so, man, shitty end of the stick. And and heavy metals in baby food. Yeah. This is not, I mean, that just seems so insane to just hear straight out. I know. that it, it, it is. It's really crazy. But, you know, there's something going on. I mean, there's nobody can question that there's something going on, that the rate of autism is going so crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was not the case when I was in school. This was not the case even a few years ago. I mean, just looking from 2018, you know, we're going from one in 44 to one in 36. It's getting worse. It's not getting better. Prioritizing profits. Prioritizing prioritizing Dangerous drug and product cases. All righty. Welcome to another episode of Prioritizing Profits, Dangerous Drug and Medical Devices. Back at it again. Ah, but it's still not medical devices. Medical dangerous de- drug and product cases. Product cases. Uh, yeah, I probably should get that down. <laughs> I think that's you say that every time, and we do handle medical devices absolutely. Yeah, but that's just not in the title of the podcast. It would just get a little bit long. And... No, well, we went back and forth on the title of the podcast so many times. <laughs> I think I memorized. We're it. gonna keep going back and forth. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Well, we just released, so hopefully this is the final one. All right. Top right into it though. We're going to Vegas next week. Woo! I am fucking hyped. I'm excited. Big uh, gambler overall. Game of choice, blackjack. I know Fernie, massive poker player. He's going to be joining us. How are you feeling? I'm feeling, I'm feeling awesome. But yeah, definitely uh, shout out to Fernando because he's the man behind the scenes here who makes this um, amazing show happen. Makes us look good. Cuts out when. Uh, when we say things we shouldn't say, which actually I noticed that doesn't get cut out. Um, in fact, I did notice that we were rated as explicit. Really? Yes. The yeah. podcast has ratings and we are explicit. And I was like, are we really? But then I just listened to the second one again. I was like, yeah, Ben is. Ben's explicit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I'll, I'll take responsibility <laughs> for that. But I, I think it's just because I care. I care too much. I just have so much emotion in the it's game. Passion. It's Something. passion and and and, and anger. Yeah. So exactly. I know, and I'm actually I have this reputation among a lot of people as as um, using the f bomb quite frequently, and I don't know why I have held back a little bit. But now that I know that we have an explicit rating, all bets are off. So Fuck here we it, dude. I just let loose, man. <laughs> Who cares at this point? Nothing to nothing to lose. <laughs> Shit. All right. Well, here we go. And we're and on that. We're going to Vegas, um, which should be um, should be pretty exciting. I think this, this is the first mass torts made perfect that you'll be attending. Yes, I've been to Vegas before for another wow. business trip. Yes. I've been to Vegas a few times and <laughs> <laughs> my yeah. fair share there. Um, but this is my first one for uh, mass torts made perfect. Been on a business trip. Got to be honest, the best business trips I've been on have been in Vegas. And I don't think that's a coincidence. No, no, I think uh, that's it's, it's, I think it's probably the the capital of conferences and conventions. Um, it's hard it's hard not to have fun in Vegas. Yeah, you definitely have to try. So what what are we even what are we going to be doing there? So Masters Made Perfect is um, it is a um, biannual or twice a year gathering of. Um, all of the big mass tort lawyers in the United States. Um, and I shouldn't say all of them, but um, a lot of people do show up for this. And it's a great opportunity to um, meet with other attorneys who are involved in the same litigations that we're involved in. To It's oftentimes where I find out, you know, for the, the very first time, this is what the really exciting hot topic is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's put on by Mike Papantonio, and he always gives um, a very rousing um 
opening uh, opening session, and it's usually like at eight in the morning, which in Vegas can be pretty pretty early. Um, but it's very inspiring. Um, we learn a lot um, and connect with a lot of people, and of course. He puts on a good show too. I mean, there's comedians. There's a great opening party. Um, lots of lots of cocktails flowing, and hope, hopefully some mocktails as well. Yeah. No. These these lawyer conventions are, are pretty nuts. You know, last time I went, it wasn't necessarily as an employee. Um, it was more as just enjoyment. But uh, it was insane. I mean, they rented out. If, if anyone's been to the Caesar's Palace, the Omnia nightclub literally rented out the entire nightclub and all of the drinks for free. I, I couldn't believe it. I'd been there once before and it was body to body. And then all of a sudden lawyer convention comes in and there's, you know, hundreds of 50 to 60 year old men. Just whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest here. Okay. The scene is a little bit different during a, a lawyer convention at, at a nightclub in Vegas compared to just another Friday, Saturday night. Well, thank God we've got you there to spice it up because you're definitely not a That's what 50 I was year old thinking. man. I'll bring some life to the party. But it seems like, so this is pretty much where you know, all of the master lawyers in the country kind of come together and they figure out what's going on, what the next up and coming cases are, and to kind of rub shoulders if you're doing referrals, if you want referrals, you're reaching out to your partners. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we you know we learn a lot about the updates. Um, if there's a particular case that looks like it may be taking off, we get the details on whether it's something that we want to jump into or not. Um, and you know, and as as we've talked about before, no law firm does all of these cases. So there's always the opportunity. You know, you get a, a potential client in. It's something that you don't do that you can refer. You 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 make relationships so that you know who's good to refer which types of cases to if mm-hmm. it's something that you're not handling handling in-house. And that's going to be, um, you know, a, a fair part of, of your role as a side, aside from, from being uh, the pod god. Yes, I'm definitely excited to, to rub shoulders there. But, um, you know, from what I've heard, it sounds like some of the most important conversations that happen aren't necessarily at these convention halls or no. at the speeches. Most of them are usually at the, the bar in the hotel lobby. Well, sometimes, and actually, it's funny. I remember back, um, uh, back an infamous um, hip implant case that was going on, and everybody was so anxious. When, when, when is it going to settle? And and the information couldn't be public yet. But I got the information at a cabana party by the pool. Nice. So yeah, um, and, and there's always a little bit of a concern too that you don't know who's going to infiltrate these meetings, and so they do have to be careful about what's said in this huge conference room. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it was a few years ago, and I, I don't think I've told you this story, um, but. There, apparently it got out that there were some insurance defense attorneys oh. and some attorneys who represent the pharmaceutical companies who had sent like moles and they had signed up and registered as a plaintiff's attorney. Um, and then this got out and Mike Papantonio in the opening, I didn't know this was coming. And he was like, if there is one person sitting in this conference room who is not a plaintiff's attorney, we will hunt you down. We will find you. We already have the lawsuit drafted. We just need to insert your name. We will sue your ass. And he probably said something actually harsher. It was probably in the explicit category. But he was pissed because they had come in to try to get the secret information. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, um, I mean, he's threatened them with with all kinds of stuff. Um, 
Um, <laughs> is that actually illegal to, for, I mean, it seems it's an open convention, right? You don't have to be a lawyer to go. Well, no, it is. I, actually, there, you know, you don't actually have to be a lawyer. Um, it, it's because you're registered. Um, as, but you do have to certify that you are um, a, either a plaintiff's lawyer or um, an employee of a firm that represents uh, exclusively plaintiff's uh, in these types of cases. Mm. So absolutely. I mean, you can restrict, I mean, it's not a, it's not an open convention. Yeah. Everybody who pays doesn't get to come. We get to choose who gets to come and who doesn't get to come. Yeah. And the devils, the evil people don't. The people who represent <laughs> these crazy corporations, they can, I don't know, they can go to Hampton Inn or something. They don't get to go to the Wynn. No, no shot. They don't get to go to the Omnia private party with free <laughs> drinks. Are you kidding me? No, that's for plaintiff lawyers only. Yeah, they can buy their bottom shelf liquor drinks. I don't care. Rawr, rawr. We don't like them. <laughs> no, I I am excited though. I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's definitely going to be a good mix of of business and fun. I mean, I think every every trip kind of has to have a little bit of fun, especially when you're in Vegas. Um, we'll go to the business meetings and late night. Who knows? Maybe we hit the blackjack table. Maybe some craps. Mm-hmm. See well, what's that? Apparently, Fernando, who we're taking along, um, is quite the card shark, and has. Uh, trophies to prove his uh, expertise yeah. in poker. So I've never played poker at a casino, but I might have to break out and try it this time. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Well, let's get into um, the real stuff. <laughs> interesting cases. Yes. The real juicy stuff. What's what's going on this week? What are some interesting cases that have hit the news that our people are finding out about now? Well, I have a couple of funny kind of silly ones um, and and then some, some pretty serious stuff. So let's start light. All right. All um, right. So one of the cases that's been in the news recently, and I've kind of gotten a chuckle about it, is a case against Buffalo Wild Wings. Interesting. Someplace I think that you might have been. I know I had taken you. There. Yeah, no, I've, I've been there a lot. I mean, it's a great place if you're trying to watch a Suns game. But if you're trying to eat good wings, it's probably the last place you want to go. Oh, to okay. All right. Well, um, they are being sued because their boneless wings are not wings. Well, I always assumed boneless wings were essentially just chicken nuggets. Just... Whoa! Did you read this? No, I just I just always assumed. <laughs> I was like, I, there's no way they just go in there and take the bone out. No, they just kind of get all the mush of shit and just throw it in there and say, hey, here's a boneless wing. Actually, no, I did. I, I'm remembering now, I did watch a video where, um, you know, wings were massive, but there was a massive issue because the businesses that were making wings were losing out on so much, uh, you know, revenue because they're just throwing out like 80% of the chicken. Uh, and then that's when the genius idea for boneless wings came out where they just started throwing all the extra shit that they weren't using on actual wings into there. Kind of like the sausage of chickens. It, it literally <laughs> is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! This reminds me. There was it used to be a place called Scrapple, and they they made um, sausage, but it was scraps like Scrapple. It was basically all the scraps that fell on the floor when oh. you got the good parts of the of the, the meat. Ugh. Anyway, nasty. And they and they marketed it that way. Yeah, they yeah, said, scrapple. "Hey guys, we are Scrapple. If you want to eat the scraps of everyone <laughs> else, we got gotcha. you. We will fulfill your needs." It sounds disgusting. Yeah. Anyway, um, so but actually, it sounds like you, I, I know you hadn't read this, but um, but yeah. So they they said that it was boneless wings, and the lawsuit says, "Wait a minute, this is not wing meat," which actually doesn't sound that good because it's like the gristly, nasty stuff in the wings, right? I mean, it's actually chicken breast yeah, meat. No, I mean, I've always been anti boneless wings. I think that if if you're eating wings, you're you're there for the the 
Go to McDonald's, man. Get a 20 piece. <laughs> if you're eating boneless, I mean, I get it. You grab some some barbecue sauce, rub the fucking chicken nuggets in there. Uh, but isn't that what every boneless wing place does? I didn't think this was like something new. Well, I think they probably are doing that. But they but the, so the lawsuit is saying don't call them boneless wings. Call them something else. Call them boneless chicken, chicken po- poppers, chicken nuggets, that sort of thing, which is a little, it's its not false advertising that yeah. way. So again, it's, I think it's, a, I mean, a little bit silly in the sense that I would prefer to have breast meat than wing meat anyway, but, you know, call it what it is. And it's not, they're not boneless wings. So we'll see what happens with that. That's a relatively um, new case, but that's like under f- consumer fraud, but mm. but it is a product, a product. product. And, and so how does that work for, for clients? I mean, I, I went and I'm sure I had tried one of my friends boneless wings. Can I sign up for the lawsuit? <laughs> well, so this is actually not necessary. I mean, it, it's, it's more of a class action. And in theory, if they win, yes, you could probably make a claim, but you'll probably get, you know, $2, a dollar going yeah. through all the paperwork. So it's more of a, uh, a, a fraud claim and telling them that they need to not uh, not market it the way that they're marketing, that it's false and deceptive marketing, and they, they need to be honest in their advertising. Yeah, this actually brings me to a new question because, I mean, as I'm sure so many people are on TikTok, there I get so many TikToks that are like, I got one last night, have you drank in Vizzy in the last 60 days? Well, you might be entitled to a cash settlement because I guess the antioxidants that they were advertising on the yes. can weren't, weren't actually in there or they weren't accurate. Um, but I always see a ton of, of those type of TikToks. And so it al- is it always like that where, you know, if you're interested in filling out the paperwork, sure, you can get some money, but likely it's probably going to be. If it's successful, yeah. Um, you know, and generally when those settlements, they may put aside, a, you know, a set amount of money and you can make a claim. Again, it's going to be very minor. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes they'll require that you show proof of purchase, receipts, that sort of thing. People don't have that for Vizzy, I don't suspect. Yeah. Um, and then they generally agree to stop marketing the way that they are to change um, you know, to change their ingredient label to be more accurate and that sort of thing. Hmm. Yeah, I had no idea. I mean, it sounds like not necessarily the biggest thing that consumers can get their get their <laughs> hands on, but it's good to know that at least someone's looking out for it. Yeah, I mean, those those types of cases, I mean, ultimately, the attorneys get some fees on it, um, and the practice gets stopped. Mm-hmm. But it's not, there. there's such small or negligible damages for yeah. each person that it would never make sense for somebody to file a lawsuit about that for their for their individual damages. What are the damages? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not not likely that that's going to be the case. So it is um, a mechanism to to stop the manufacturers from, you know, deceptively marketing their product and it, and it works. Keep people in line. Try to keep them in line. I mean, that's what we're doing, trying to keep these companies in line. Somebody sense. somebody's got to do it. So we had so, the wings this week. What, what other interesting cases popped up? Well, one other one that kind of along the same lines um, of the false marketing is Aveeno Baby Lotion. Um, and there's been a lawsuit. And this one actually is a little bit more interesting to me. But so they are selling these products. Uh, one of them is called uh, Baby Continuous Protection Sensitive Skin Lotion. Continuous yes. protection. Baby Eczema Therapy Moisturizing I feel cream. safe just hearing those names. Don't you? And wouldn't you just want to slather your baby with these things? They're I would so slather sensitive. myself with these things. <laughs> You first, then maybe the baby. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. We'll see. So, but but the interesting thing is that they call these products baby products and for sensitive skin, but they're exactly the same as the adult products. But guess what? Guess. Mm-hmm. Do you think they cost more or less? 
more, obviously. Well, holy shit, right? Yeah. Because you're going to spend more money to make sure that your baby's delicate little butt is protected. Of course. And that, you, and that it doesn't have any harsh chemicals for the sunscreen or this these sorts of things. But there's exactly the same product. They're just putting baby on it and charging more money. Mm-hmm. So that is deceptive and that's not cool. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of businesses will try to kind of weasel around that where they might add one or two kind of ingredients in there. And so is that generally what happens and the people that just don't add anything, that's when they kind of get... Yeah, but I mean, if you're going to do something, if you're going to add or take something out, it should be something that goes along with the, you know, that it's more, it's it's safer for more sensitive skin, it's gentler, that sort of Mm -hmm. thing, if that's what you're saying it's going to be. And these are exactly the same. They just charge more because it says baby on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of, it goes to, like, I don't know if you've heard the term pink tax. So there are pro- products that are exactly the same, but are marketed towards women. Yes. I, yes. A hundred percent. I actually, I'm pretty sure the entire like stigma of like blue is for boys and pink is for girls is primarily just because of that is because it sells more things to have, you know, gender specific. Well, and, and for beauty products, um, it, women will spend more money. They will spend more money on lotion. They'll spend more money on shampoo, mm-hmm. all of those things than men will. Oh, and yeah. I'm not spending any money. I'm not <laughs> kidding me. <laughs> Mr. Suave. <Mr>. <clears throat> Yeah. So, so I mean, that's long been, been the case that if it's marketed towards women, it does cost more. Um, but, you know, and, and probably they do change them slightly, put a little perfume or a little smell on this one versus that one. But um, overall, yeah, we're paying a lot more than you guys are. So. Oh, that's a toughie. Sorry to hear I that. know. I well, know. realistically, <laughs> you guys probably could just get our products and probably. We would smell so manly. Smell so manly. That's not so bad, eh? I'm a big Old Spice fan. Yeah, I don't think I want to smell like Old Spice. <laughs> um, updates on cases. Yeah, so actually, I um, probably the biggest and, and, and uh, most relevant one, um, we talked about the eye drops last yes. week. And that's that was pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there actually was an update that just came out, and the um, Food and Drug Administration uh, completed an inspection report. So they actually went to the facility, determined that they had not followed appropriate safety protocols, and that's um, why they uh, why they became contaminated. Um, an interesting thing that I didn't know that I just learned from this report, though, is that this drug-resistant bacteria can you, you can be infected with it and not have symptoms, and you can pass it on to somebody else. Oh. Jesus. Yeah. Christ. Right. So you didn't even put the shit in your eyes. Yeah. But you're with somebody who does who did and you can now get this infection. Oh so my holy shit, when you're like, wait a minute, why I don't even use eye drops. Why am I having this issue with my eyes? Uh, new fucking COVID right here. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Well, yeah, I mean pretty 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 crazy stuff. Um now most of this transfer is happening in healthcare facilities, hospitals, that sort of thing, where somebody's being treated, say a nurse is touching them, um, it, you know, but but you know, in households, that sort of thing. I mean, you can actually get infected when you never put the drops in your eyes. Mm-hmm. So um, pretty scary stuff. Um, and and these cases are still going on. Apparently, um, it looks like at the last, um, at the end of last month, there was, uh, it was up to 68 infections, 16 different states, um, three deaths, eight cases of vision loss, and four surgical eye removals reported. Jeez. Yeah, really, really bad stuff. That's awful. 
That's terrible. Yeah. So again, um, I think we did use a graphic last time. We'll put that up again. Um, but uh, yeah, you don't want to use these cares. Uh, the, you don't want to use these drops. Ezra Care Artificial Tears. Um, make sure if you have those, throw them yeah, away. Yeah, I mean, that is just absolutely insane that, and I mean, an eye drop can ca cause that much damage mm -hmm. and that you can get this infection and not even have taken the eye drops, just yeah. someone that you know that you've been in close contact with. Yeah. What, what I thought was interesting too, is that you mentioned the FDA went in and did this investigation from someone that's not super familiar with how hands-on the FDA generally gets. You know, I know we talked about the talcum powder that had so many concerns. That was something that was over the counter. Why wasn't a, a product like that investigated by the FDA? Well, I mean, there have been actions taken by the FDA, but this is a little bit different in the sense that this was, and we, we touched on this before also, it's not that the product itself is defective, like mm -hmm. the way that they designed the uh, eye drops or the formula for the eye drops. That's not the problem. The problem here is actually in the facility oh. and that a particular batch of eye drops, um, you know, because they did not follow safety protocols, were infected with this bacteria and then went out to the public. So it is more of a, a limited situation yeah. and they uh -huh. and when this happened and they determined that it was actual the eye drops that were causing this that's then when they actually did recall mm -hmm. I mean they voluntarily recalled the product and then the FDA went in and did an inspection um, and and confirmed that yes that was the problem okay so it makes it that makes sense it, it's different when it's kind of like more of a isolated case when and it, especially when it's very clear like this like you know, there is a certain batch of eye drops. These specific eye drops have this issue with them during this time period and that you can recall it. And it makes sense that the FDA would want to come in for that specific time or a little bit more quickly. Yeah. Well, and actually, and it looks like they were saying it was like an 11 day inspection. So this is a pretty big, wow. pretty yeah. big deal. Um, the Global Pharma Facility, um, it's 11 observations by the FDA, including um, a manufacturing process that lacked assurance of product sterility. And so the batches that were affected were manufactured between December of 2020 and April of 2022 and were wow. shipped to the US. But that's a pretty long time. I was going to say, I that's mean, two you know, years. That's yeah, not insane. quite two years, but like a year and a half. Yeah. A year and a half. I yeah. mean, that has to be an absurd amount of eye drops. And mm -hmm. I mean, people had to have been. This how has this not come up sooner, right? Because I mean, if this has been, if it was created in two thousand, those eye drops had to have gone out a year ago. Well, it's, it's a good question, and it's in with this type of situation, it takes oftentimes takes a long time to figure out what's the problem. I mean, people are going in and they have this horrible infection, but they don't know how they got it, and mm -hmm. so people aren't thinking, oh, it's an eye drop. I mean, especially depending on where, if they're you know septic, you know, it gets in their nasal system. I mean, who who traces it back to the eye drops. Something that I mean, they eventually figured too. that, yeah, figured it out. And once they figure it out, now you could probably go back and say, wait a minute. You know, because usually when you get a bacterial infection, you don't know where you got it from. Mm -hmm. You have no clue. Um, people are probably going to look back now and be like, wait a minute. Maybe that's what the problem was. And so what is this, in a situation like this, where it's not necessarily the actual, you know, product that's the issue, it's the manufacturer, which they're still responsible for, but it seems a little bit more tricky. Well, they're on the hook and then they will have to clean up their facility mm -hmm. and go through the inspection process and establish that now that they their facility, you know, is adequate, they have adequate protocols and it is safe. And then presumably the products that they're putting out will get tested mm -hmm. to ensure that in fact, 
that has followed through and they are no longer infected with any kind of bacteria, this or any other bacteria. Yeah. So, and I don't know if you, there was the whole issue with like the baby food shortage and that came about too because one of the facilities that manufactured that baby food had had sterility problems too. And some of the food that had gone out um, had bacteria in it. And so that was why people couldn't find baby food because yeah. none of the none of the food that came out of that facility could be sold, could be used. Yeah. So that was like a crazy thing. And, and, you know, luckily that's easing up. Well, and it's even more terrifying because, I mean, it's a baby product, right? And they're so much more sensitive. Yeah. Well, but, but then you get the extra sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it seems it's like baby. sensitive food. That's actually the exact same freaking food. I, I feel like babies are just kind of getting the <laughs> shitty end of the stick today, man. Damn, all these products are really targeting them here. Eh? Well, you could, but you'll, you'll spend a lot on your baby. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Well, so. when will we find out when they actually do? F- pass the inspection and when everything is kind of signed off as okay? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, they won't be able to sell the eye drops again until that happens. Yeah. But I mean, I can't imagine I'm going to be too anxious yeah. to buy. I think if I ever see that name, I'm not going to be buying them I was going to say, they have to do some massive rebranding. There's no way an eye drop company comes back from something like that. hard to come like back that. from something like that, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, a couple other quick updates before we get into another baby topic. Yeah. Um, autism. So we talked about that mm-hmm. last session, last week. And just recently, um, some new stats came out. And what when we talked, I think I had told you guys that um, the rate of autism was 1 in 44. They have new statistics that literally just came out last week, and it's actually now one in 36, which is a 22% increase from 2018. So this is not getting better. Yeah. It's getting worse. That's insane. Um, yeah. So, I mean, one in 36, that's, and, and I mean, what, every classroom, right? Yeah. I mean, it's... Who's publishing this? Is this a governmental study or is this... This was on the CDC. So yeah, the Center for Disease Control. Yeah. And we'll probably put a link up somewhere. And a quick shout out, you know, I was talking about this case with some of my friends the other day. And, you know, I, I'm, you know, get very, get very emphatic. I get very kind of (laughs) excited about it. It's so interesting to me. And I think it's so crazy how few people know about it. And when I start talking about these insane statistics that are coming out, people are in absolute disbelief. And so, you know, I think one thing that I definitely want to make sure that we continue to do is just make sure that everything that we're saying on this podcast, we're going to be providing sources, definitely in the description, probably add some pop-ups as well. And hopefully in the future, I think we'll probably do a sit down, probably like a nice little video conversation, just going through all these dense studies, because I think this type of information is so interesting, but almost unbelievable that it's, it's going on. Yeah. Well, it was interesting because I, I was on the other end of your texts on Saturday night when apparently you were hanging out with a bunch of nursing students. Yes. yes. <laughs> that you wanted to, to might have had a few drinks as well. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and yes. gotten gotten impassioned about you know, the topic. Um, and and it, you know, and I was of course texting back and explaining, yes, we have the studies and we're going to we're going to provide the studies and and the statistics and all of that. But you know, it really kind of took me back to realizing you know, that I am so used to this that, but when I first 
found out when I first got involved in this area, I mean, I was completely shocked. I didn't believe it either. I was like, that's just impossible. How could they get away with it? That's and 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 when people first start hearing these things, they do feel that way. Um, so I get that, and um, and we do want to be transparent. We want to provide the uh, provide all of the information we have. I actually sat down and pulled out links to, I mean, there's probably like 15 or 20 studies on the autism and Tylenol. Um, and, and I know that those have gone up on our website. There will be a link to that. So for people who want to get, you know, do a deep dive into these studies and, 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 you know, really get the details, absolutely. We want to be able to provide that because um, it is hard to believe. And, you know, and people are like, ah, crazy lawyers and all that. But but to that end, I do just want to say also that a lot of lawyers might be crazy. I might be one of them, but we're not stupid. And, yeah. you know, when we pursue these cases, it is our time and our money. Yeah. And we invest a lot. And if the case is unsuccessful, we lose all of that, mm-hmm. you know? So we, I say, you know, as, as all attorneys who are doing these types of cases, we have no interest in some crazy case that we cannot prove. And it's it's tough to prove these cases. So they are pretty solid before they get to this point where cases are filed and they're getting consolidated and, yeah. and you've get, you know, some of the, like the real big players involved in these. It's not um, you know, we have we have nothing to gain and everything to lose if it's not a viable case. Yeah. And and I think a lot of people kind of have this almost assumption that lawyers are kind of shooting in the dark, right? Like ah. looking for any type of case that could get them money, but that's not 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 it at all. Like well, the it might of- be, but those are the bankrupt <laughs> lawyers. I mean, True. those are the ones who don't survive because yeah. you know you can't lose hundreds of thousands of dollars over and over again. Yeah, and yeah. And, and and just it's that's just not that not the case at all. And um, something that I kind of realized as well is, you know, when I was talking about, it, I was like, you know, this is getting consolidated. This is, <laughs> this is, this is happening. Sounds and so people, official. It, it does. And people are like, uh, okay, you know, what does that mean? But it, it, it does mean something, right? Like if a case is getting consolidated, there is definitely like enough kind of groundwork there. Every, you know, there's enough cases around the, the country. There's enough uh, law firms involved in it, that they see the potential, that they see there's wrongdoing, that everyone's kind of coming together and, and, and bringing the cases yeah. in one place. Yes. And the, the real, the thing about consolidation is that the reason a case gets consolidated is because there are too many cases to handle individually. That, that's a great explanation right there. Uh, there you go. <laughs> there's I literally mean, too many. There's too many. And in, in fact, the defendant, the manufacturer usually wants them consolidated too, mm-hmm. because, you know, maybe you have, you know, a hundred lawyers around the country, each with our own case or two or three cases, but that all of those cases, that same group of lawyers that the, the, the manufacturers hired is dealing with all of those, and they're running from state to state to state. So oftentimes, the manufacturers say, yes, we want it consolidated. We recognize there are so many cases, it's going to be more efficient, it's going to make more sense for everybody to do this. So um, yeah, it's maybe a technical term, but it means that this is a really substantial size case. Um, And there's enough of them that uh, the judge has agreed, yes, we're going to put these all together and and fight them out out as a group. And and it's so interesting to see that, I mean, you you mentioned that study was released, what, this week? Um, Yeah, by the time, actually, it was last week, so I'm not sure sure when this one's going to air. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, that's a brand new study that came out from the CDC on the autism. And it's just so terrifying that it's, you know, it's not getting better. Yeah, it's not. And, you know, one of the things, actually, when I was at the um, Harris-Martin 
conference last week that was in Tucson. I also was listening to some information on um, some baby food cases, and a lot of the baby food has heavy metals, and heavy metals can also Jesus lead to autism. Christ. I know, poor babies, poor babies. Uh, again, so, man, shitty under the stick, and and heavy metals in baby food. Yeah. This is not, I mean, that just seems so insane to just hear straight out. I know that it, it it is. It's really crazy, but you know, there's something going on. I mean, there's nobody can question that there's something going on that the rate of autism is going so crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean. This was not the case when I was in school. This was not the case even a few years ago. I mean, just looking from 2018, you know, we're going from one in 44 to one in 36. It's getting worse. It's not getting better. Now, what is it? Is it is it uh, the Tylenol? Is it baby food? You know, are there, I mean, individual situations may be environmental where, you know, a certain group of kids are exposed to something in a neighborhood and that sort of thing. I mean, it may be a combination of things, but something is happening here. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, it's a good thing that, that, that we're looking at that, that we're trying to figure it out. Out, that these studies are being done and finding these because we may need to change in a variety, more than one thing. Mm-hmm. And with a case, you know, that's still in the early phases, but obviously it's looking to be massive countrywide. Yeah, well, I mean, look at one in 36 kids are affected. Yeah. So w- what does this look like going forward? You know, like what type of news, how frequently are we going to be getting updates on, on this type of case? Well, when when something significant happens, certainly we'll we'll touch on that. Yeah. Um, I mean, we we were pretty much up to date on the last um, on the last time we talked about it. But this was just a new statistic that I thought was interesting. I wanted to kind of add that in. Yeah. So. No, that's that's big. It's yeah. Definitely really big. And so, speaking of consolidated, since you brought up that <laughs> term. Another case that we had talked about, I think, in the same podcast was the Tapeza, so the thyroid eye disease. And that case, and actually, I wasn't real clear that that was going to get consolidated enough or not, because there were not, there's not going to be hundreds of thousands of cases or probably maybe not even thousands of cases because it's a relatively unusual disease and, an, and, a, and a symptom that doesn't happen to everybody who has the disease. Mm-hmm. But there actually has been a petition filed with the Judicial Panel on Multidistrict Litigation um, that was filed last week. And so it looks like it probably will get consolidated. There's only right now 20 cases filed. But again, we talked about that, how Mm -hmm. before it gets consolidated, a lot of cases that may be hanging out there don't get filed. So, um, so that's one that a lot of us were thinking maybe there was, it wasn't big enough to be consolidated, but it looks like it probably will be. And and from your end, does it, does it matter a lot if it's consolidated compared to not consolidated? I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I know it matters, but you know, how much does it matter? I guess that's a better question. Well, it matters a lot in the sense that now we're all working as a team um, on the cases and the processes are very streamlined. So instead of everybody having to draft their own complaint, yeah. there oftentimes is, is a form, a master mm-hmm. form complaint, and you basically fill in the uh, fill in the details. Um, instead of going through, you know, massive discovery with every single plaintiff, you'll pick like the bellwether cases and go through discovery with that plaintiff. Yeah. Um, so it, it really matters a lot. Um, from the plaintiff's perspective. And I'm sure it can probably be frustrating at times when there are some really good cases, but they're just so rare that it mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense to, to consolidate it. 
but obviously it still makes sense to pursue it fully. Right. But then what you have is you have, you know, maybe some teams, you know, combining their cases, but you have, you know, little, little groups maybe around the country mm. who are litigating the cases, but they don't, they have to fight the manufacturer for all of the documents. And then the other people have to have the same fight with them. Yeah. And maybe this one wins and that one doesn't win. Whereas, you know, in this type of situation, certain documents come out and everybody, everybody gets them. It's so interesting kind of hearing about this team atmosphere and this you know, nationwide industry, even talking about at the beginning of this podcast, uh, you know, the convention we're going to how, you know, there's a yearly meet of all the mass tort lawyers in the country come together, collaborating, discussing, talking about what they've seen and what they've heard and, and bring those ideas together for the same, you know, cause. More than yearly, but yeah, yeah more than there's yearly. a lot of meetings. And then, you know, and once these litigations are established, then there are Quite a few. I mean, it, yeah. it's they're ongoing meetings mm -hmm. with whoever's on the you know the leadership committee and uh, steering committee that sort of thing. Well, it seems like we, we we went over updates on cases. Any any last touches there? Or are we ready to go on to cases that we are currently handling? My favorite section, honestly, because this is knee deep <laughs> in what we're we're dealing with every day. Eh? This is the big shit that gets you all worked up. It is. And guess what we're going to talk about? Hmm. Babies. I just feel bad, man. I even have my, my uh, if you regulate me, I won't be the only one that bleeds. All right. That's quite political, but I guess what the heck. It's, it's politics I agree with, so I'm all right with it. Yeah, I agree with it. But I mean, I thought it was kind of connected to babies a little bit. Know. <laughs> <laughs> it a Maybe it was a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> anyways, anyways, cases okay. we're currently all right, handling. All right. So what we're going to talk about, so the current baby topic um, is uh, baby formula causing NEC. Um, and this is a horrible condition, um, necrotizing enterocolitis. And this is a condition that when babies are born prematurely, they can suffer from. And it is, it's really nasty. Um, basically, it results from an inflammation of the small intestine or colon, and it causes the tissue to necrotize or to die. And it begins with like tiny perforations. And as you know, what's in our digestive tract um, is, has lots of bacteria and nasty stuff, and you don't want that out into your bloodstream and then your organs and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but when you have these leaks, then out it goes. And mm -hmm. so that's very problematic. Um, and babies who are fed with formula, so non-breast milk, and the formulas are, you, are made with cow's milk. So babies who are fed with a cow's milk formula are significantly more at risk of developing this necrotizing enterocolitis. And once you develop this, I mean, it's horrendous. I mean, they, a lot of the babies die. They don't make it. I mean, you're, they're already premature. Jesus. They're already, so yeah. they, they're very weak. Um, they have weakened immune systems. This bacteria gets into their system. They can't fight it. Um, and if they survive, I mean, oftentimes a lot of their their bowels removed. Um, they have short gut syndrome. They have um, developmental disabilities. Um, <clears throat> it's it's really pretty horrifying. And the thing that is pretty well, there's a lot of things that are really awful about this. I mean, yeah, again, that, it's like this, yeah, this is this is <laughs> sucks. This sucks. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, it's not just babies, but it's like the most vulnerable babies. It's yeah. the premature babies that I mean, they're already struggling for their their life, um, and then they're given this uh, cow cow's milk based formula, and it's just not safe. I mean, babies, uh, you know, they're not calves. <laughs> They're human yeah. babies. And human breast milk is dramatically different 
from cow's milk. Yeah. And human breast milk is designed to support the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are certain circumstances where mothers simply cannot breastfeed, or maybe the mother's not there for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but there are actually alternatives. Um, you can, there are, there's the opportunity to have donor breast milk. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also um, a, a formula that is, let me see what, uh, there is a formula called Prolacta, and that's been available since 2006, and that is um, a human milk-based formula. And is, is, is formula generally cow-based, cow milk-based? Is that common practice in, in baby formula in general? Well, yeah, it is. I mean, up until 2006, the formulas that were being produced, and that's Infamil and Similac, are all cow's milk. Jesus. And, yeah. And so, and now this disease is being directly connected to, to formulas with, with cow's milk specifically. Well, it's, it, there is a link. It, it is a baby who is premature and who is fed a cow's oh, milk okay. based formula mm-hmm. is dramatically more likely to develop this terrible NEC condition than breast milk. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to get, to get kind of crazier with it, um, th- they've known, the companies know that this is a problem, have known for a long time, and yet they advertise it as being safe. I, and, and real quick, though, I feel like I need to be kind of like the hold on a second guy here. I mean, they knew about it. They knew that this was causing this insane disease to premature babies and and, and just kind of went along. How do, how do we know that they knew about it? I mean, this as, as if I was a naysayer, right? Okay. Unbelievable. How could they let this happen? Yeah. So they basically have had the information since the early 1990s. Um, There was a study back in 1990 in The Lancet um, where they found that preterm babies fed the fed formula were six to to 10 times more likely to develop NEC. And that is, um, I have provided the link to that study, so that will will be available. Um, And this is now we're like 30 years later. Um, There have, and we're still promoting it. They're still pushing it. In fact, they're feeding it to babies in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was one case that I had heard about where a baby was being breastfed by the mother. She was sleeping at one point. Um, one of the nurses gives the baby formula, bam. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And so that one actually was not only, the case would not only be against the manufacturer yeah. of the product, but also the hospital. That is absolutely off. I can't even imagine from the position of the mother, right? Like you're doing literally everything you can. You just gave birth and you're still, you're still out here. Oh, baby's hungry. Okay. Bring him over. You know, you're making yeah. the sacrifices and you fall asleep for just, you know, take a little nap and that happens. Jeez. Yeah. Well, and here's the scary thing too, is that these companies, I mean, they're telling the hospitals that it's perfectly safe and these nurses and some of the doctors, they don't know. That's th- their, their standard of care is to provide, is of to course. feed them this this formula. And the other thing about it, that one of the other reasons that they feed them this formula is that the companies provide the formula, the hospitals for free or at significant discounts. And you know why they do that? They do that because whatever your baby is fed in the hospital, that's what you're going to feed them when you get home. So you're going to get this brand loyalty. Oh, okay. Well, the hospital gave him Similac. That must be the best stuff. That's what I'm going to buy. And now they're going to buy their product and tell the baby's off the formula. And that's such a good point too, because I would think that exact same thing. Oh, the hospital is giving it to it. This has to be the best option. Absolutely. But realistically, that's not the case at all, right? Because it's the cheapest option that's still, you know, reasonably or healthy to their best of best of their knowledge. Right. Well, and they're promoting it as being perfectly safe. Yeah. And this is so 
Um, back in 2011, the Surgeon General actually issued a statement saying for vulnerable premature infants, formula feeding is associated with higher rates of NEC. So this is back in 2011. Um, 2012, the American Academy of Pediatrics stated all preterm infants should be fed either their mother's milk or if their mother's milk is unavailable, pasteurized human donor milk. Mm-hmm. And so, so we've got American Association of Pediatrics, Surgeon General. I mean, you don't get much higher than that. Um, and the companies are still marketing it and saying for babies born prematurely, specifically formulated for your preemies unique needs. And no warning about the NEC risk. Yeah. Now you can say something. Sorry, I was, on, <laughs> no. I was, I was on a roll. <laughs> no, you were. I mean, it was just so much insane information all at once. I mean, attorney or not attorney general, sorry, surgeon general, right? Surgeon general, yeah. A surgeon general. And, and, and in that quote, he says just formula. But in the next quote, it specifies and says if, you know, if it is formula, it has to be pasteurized, you know, human uh, milk. Based. Well, they were actually talking about pasteurized human donor milk, so uh, they don't specifically even talk about formula. And really, most of the formula that's available is cow's milk formula. Yeah. And again, it's a whole lot cheaper to go get milk from cows, yeah, and and sell it at a you know for babies and at a premium price. Uh, that that makes sense. That makes sense. And actually, just this might be a dumb question. I thought formula came in a powder. It does. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you, it can. I mean, there's both, but yeah, yeah. it usually is a powder that gets mixed. Yeah. And, and is it, again, this is very off topic, but <laughs> the, the powder, is it just kind of like the condensed version of, of cow milk? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's, okay. It, but it's cow milk based. And then you put it in a powder form that then you would mix. Okay. Yeah. All right. That makes much more sense. That is so insane. And I mean, I was going to say this at the beginning too, the name of the disease is so terrifying. I mean, you throw necro in something and you already know this is something that is so serious and so damaging. Yeah, well, it basically means dying, means yeah. death. And it, it, and, means and death. it is yeah. resulting in, in death for so many babies, um, again, that are so vulnerable and, 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 um, are struggling as it is, and then they get this horrendous disease, and they can't they can't fight it. So I'm kind of curious about this too, because I mean these you know these comments, these quotes from from the the Surgeon General. This was a while ago, but I've never heard of it. I've never heard of any concerns around baby formula. Um, why why isn't this something that hasn't come up at all in any concerns, especially because most formula is cow based and at risk for this this disease if your baby's premature? Yeah. Well, and it's it happened because it, they studies come along and they're trying to figure out why are children or why are babies having this horrible condition? And so they're you know again like with the autism, you're looking in a lot of different directions and what do the babies have in common and you know what can we link it to? And you know looking at all of the factors you know, holy crap, the babies who have this were not getting breast milk. Is there a connection there? And then the studies are done. And yes, there is. A, and it's six to 10 times more likely. And so this is a brand new case that's that's coming up and that we're going to start taking cases on. Well, we're already taking cases. Um, there is already a, it is already consolidated. We're already talking about consolidated. that. Uh, there is an MDL in the Northern District of Illinois. Um, and that's, it has been going on for a while. Um, and in fact, the process right now is that they are selecting cases cases that will go to bellwether trials. Um, So it is active. It's moving forward. um, But, you know, certain and and actually there's, you know, if if you're if you had a baby or have a baby who went through this, um, there 
these these the timeline on these are a lot longer because they're they're infants, um, and so you know your statute of limitation doesn't run until you turn eighteen if you've survived. So um, you know there's certainly cases out there. Um, if you think that you might have been affected by this, certainly reach out to somebody. Um, uh, you know, and and get the records, see um, see if this was the case or not. Yeah, and it seems like. I mean, cases like this or diseases like this, which is, sounds so rare. I mean, I've never heard of it. And it, um, if a baby has a disease like this, there's probably a reasonable kind of assumption that it's going to be connected to to a case like this? Well, uh, again, it's six to ti 10 times more likely, but you could get, it's you know, you could, possible. right. I mean, you know, again, that the, the baby's system isn't fully formed. It's very vulnerable. And even with breast milk, it's possible that they would still develop this condition. It's just that the breast milk is, you know, again, so much more better for sensitive, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like with the, the, the Aveeno and everything. I mean, it's, it's, it's really designed for the baby, whereas a cow's milk is not. And so they have a harder time breaking it down. It's not natural for the human body to break down cow's milk. It's why so many people, you know, have lactose yeah. issues and fart when they drink milk and stuff like that. I mean, it's, our bodies are not designed for another species milk. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous when you really think about it. Anyway. I, I always hear that, you know, we're the only species to drink yes. another species milk. I know. It's kind of delicious, though. You throw some chocolate syrup in there. <laughs> well, have you tried best breast milk? I mean, recently. <laughs> I, know you, I know you did a long time ago. Uh, fucking Christ. No, I mean, uh, yeah, recently, no. I, I, I haven't. I haven't. Um, All right. A little off track there. A little off track there. I, I do have a question, though, because with so many baby cases where, you know, there's just these terrible things happening. As an outsider, I would assume there'd be higher regulation, higher standards on baby products. Why is there just so many things coming up, so many issues? Well, I, I, you know, I mean, again, it, a product gets, well, if it's a drug, it has to, or a medical product, it has to get approved. I mean, this is a little bit different since it's food. Mm. Um, but until there is a connection, again, we and we don't know at this point exactly, I mean, we know what the studies said and that the companies had reason to know back at least in the 1990s and maybe before that maybe they had more inside information when you know when when they were initially developing the product i don't know that yet um but they certainly have known since the 1990s. And again, we talk about the warnings. Why are they not warning that this is more risky? For... Why would hospitals sell it, right? Well, I mean, that's it. Well, and the hospitals, they don't know. They uh, you know, no again, and, and so as these studies come out and as people are trying to figure out why are infants dying and what do the infants who get this, this condition have in common and holy shit, it potentially is this food then the process starts. And of course, like with any of these litigations, I mean, the hope is that if if the connection is established and it is you know, very dangerous, that the company will have to stop marketing it yeah. the way that they are. They will have to, instead of saying this is designed specifically for your preemie's needs, they will have to say, be warned. If your child is premature, they will have a higher risk of developing this condition if you use this formula. And exactly. again, there are alternative formulas now. There are alternatives now. I mean, there is donor breast milk if you cannot, you know, if you can't, for whatever reason, can't produce or choose not to, to breastfeed your baby. And then there's also a formula that is made with human human milk. And, you know, why not? I mean, again, the, the baby's at risk because it's premature. Why not do everything you possibly can to give it the best fighting chance? 
Well, and, and you can't even, like, put any blame on the mothers, right? Because, I mean, the way... Oh, I don't know. I mean, look at what they're saying. This is just for your baby. Well, no, exactly. That's the thing is that they're they're being told that these products are specifically for preemies, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're telling all of these mothers, like, hey, if you're having a premature baby, here is the best way to give it nutrition. And they're thinking that's the best option. Yeah. And then what do you know? It's actually the complete opposite. It adds so many more risks. Absolutely. Yeah. So interesting case, um, you know, again, it's moving right along. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more coming out about that. And so we'll keep everybody yeah, up to and, date on that. And this kind of, I was actually wondering, it, it, this kind of connects a little bit is with cases where, you know, the, these these preemies where this is such a serious disease and they pass away and you kind of mentioned how the statute of limitations are longer. What What happens when someone that is suffering from, you know, the, the medication, whatever it is that the issue passes away. So maybe not just in this situation specifically, I'm kind of talking, you know, bigger, but also in in this one as well. Okay. So, well, I mean, it, it depends, um, if it's a wrongful death case. So if somebody has passed away, then the statute of limitations for whatever state would apply. Mm -hmm. And that would generally be from the date of death. However, um, a lot of states, Arizona included, has what's called the discovery rule. And if the person died five years ago, but you had absolutely no reason to think that it was related to anything other than just shitty luck or, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was just a bad situation, they were just not strong enough, the statute doesn't start to run. It doesn't start to run until you knew or should have known that you, you know, about the case. Wow. And so what happens a lot, a lot of times in these cases, people have had problems for years and years and years, um, and then a particular study comes out and oftentimes we'll, we'll look at the statute as running from the date that that study was out and available mm-hmm. and that they could have found out that there was a link. So, um, yeah, and, and I pretty much guarantee you that if somebody lost a baby, they're not thinking, oh, it was because of the formula that we fed it. It was like, well, they were premature and they did the best they could yeah. and they struggled and they were just too weak and, you know, um, and, and, you know, they never would stop to think that it was the formula that was fed until, yeah. you know, again, these studies come out, um, it starts getting out there and people are saying, wait a minute. I know my baby was fed formula. So That's terrible. exactly that condition that, 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 that they had was the NEC. And, and you know, the studies that you mentioned, too, came out, you know, what was it, 2000, early 2000s, it sounded like. Yeah, as early as 1990. Yeah. yeah 1990 was that initial study. Um, so the, the information, you know, again, is out there. Um, but it's not being conveyed to the doctors, mm-hmm. not being conveyed. Not to easily people. accessible. And it's so that's, not, that, that's no. a big point though, is that it is, it needs to be easily accessible. Yes. Those studies are out there, but obviously, you know, mothers that are expecting aren't going to be doing that amount of deep research. No, what needs to happen is there, the, that this is what warning labels are for. You need yeah. to put on the label. This is a risk. Mm-hmm. That's what needs to happen because then the mothers can read it, the doctors can read it, the hospital administrators can read it, um, and then then they know. And then you're deciding whether or not you're going to take that risk. And, and again, if there's any risk with a premature baby and there's another option, take the other option. I, I just, I, I don't, it's, it's, it's just so obvious, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that, you know, they obviously people don't, just don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that this case kind of applies to talcum powder as well because that was something that was ongoing for so long it's always worth at least getting an opinion yeah. talking to somebody because you may think that it's too late but it it really might not be um so yeah i mean you know 
or it may just affect the value of the case. You may still be able to pursue it, but it won't be full value because of the timing. So again, I mean, never, you know, never assume that it's too late. It's always worth, it's always worth asking about. Um, and I think you were kind of hitting on some um, questions that we had received. And I, there was one question that yeah. about, you know, what happens if a person dies before the case is over? Um, and that varies. But again, um, when somebody dies, it, it, the, the case will change from an injury case for that person to potentially a wrongful death case if the death was caused by the same condition. If the death was totally unrelated, they still could potentially, their estate could potentially still have a case ongoing. Okay, so kind of a weird question here. What if, you know, for example, someone just has, you know, cancer, they're going through chemotherapy, for yeah. example, and theoretically, they were going to make it through chemotherapy, but then this um, product, uh, medication device, whatever it was, added more issues onto their already compromised immune system. Could you argue, could you argue that was the reason for death, even though they're diagnosed with cancer? I mean, it seems kind of tricky in those type of situations, right? Well, yeah. So, and generally the, the rule um, is, did it cause or contribute to? Contribute, okay. Right? Cause yeah. or contribute to. And if it contributed to, um, maybe that it played 50% or 80% or 90%. Mm -hmm. So that, but, but each case, you know, you look at that and that's one of the things that you would have doctors, you would have expert witnesses that would testify as to, well, the odds of surviving the original condition were 85%. Once this happened, well, the odds dropped down to 10%, you mm -hmm. know, or they didn't survive it, that sort of thing. So yeah, all of those, I mean, cases are very, very individual and, and unique. So on, on the questions, um, I did have actually another question, and we got this one online, so I felt like we probably should... Really? I, out of curiosity, which where did we get this question? Was it Facebook? This was a Facebook question. Nice. I love it. If you guys have any questions, please ask. I I love uh, asking or love answering questions. Uh, you know, the other day when I was talking to all the nursing students, <laughs> I enjoyed kind of sharing the information I had. Yeah. Well, and, and there's multiple ways. I mean, absolutely submit your questions on Facebook if you want to. We do respond to those questions. Um, and we also have a new email, podcast at showeredlaw.com. Yes. Um, yeah, or on our website, um, lots of ways to get in touch with us if you have a question. This one, um, the question was, should I trust that you are a Harvard-trained group of doctors? That we are a Harvard group? Should I trust that you're a Harvard-trained group of doctors? No. No. All right, let's move on. That's the answer. Yeah. Okay, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you should not assume anything. Yeah. You always know what you say about when you assume you make an ass of you and me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think the question probably <laughs> comes from, you know, if Harvard doctors or if doctors are saying this, then how how can we be out here saying the opposite? I know. And I'm, and I'm just kidding. I'm, and I'm joking about it. But at the same time, it's actually a good question. It's, and it's what we've hit on and what I wanted to address um, in this podcast is, is that, no, we're not doctors trained at Harvard or otherwise. Um, you know, we're a law firm and and, but we rely on evidence of, of, from medical studies, and we are submitting, uh, providing, making available the studies. And these are peer-reviewed studies that have been published, in, you know, in medical journals, that sort of thing. Oftentimes, there are 
studies on the other side too. And that's what the big fight is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at the studies and you say, okay, well, you know what, and, and, and these days now um, the researchers do have to disclose if they have any connections to the manufacturers, to any of the parties, that sort of thing, if they have any potential bias or if they're being paid, that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, studies do vary and um, we're not the doctors, but a lot of what we do as lawyers is rely, I mean, in these cases, we rely on medical studies. And we do rely on, you know, trained physicians and researchers who are, are coming up with this information. So I know it was a kind of a sarcastic question and, you know, meant to just jab at us, which is okay. I'm happy <laughs> yeah. to be jabbed at. I mean, I'm a lawyer. I'm used to it. But. I think, you know, and, and it's completely understandable. You know, I think a lot of it, it, it is shocking to have, you know, your doctor tell you one thing and then to learn that, that, you know, whatever they told you might not actually be the case. And and I want to make it clear, too, is that, you know, we're not coming after doctors or nurses or, you know, that type of stuff at all. You know, you're no. married to a heart surgeon. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we have we have no no ill heartedness towards them. Really, you know, we're looking at these dangerous drugs and medical devices and products that are causing these damages and that doctors are giving to their patients unknowingly or unknowingly with oftentimes, these oftentimes, yeah, oftentimes, yeah. right? They are not being told a lot of this information and how serious and how risky it is and it is at no fault of their own it is simply just because you know they're working with the information that they're given right. and sometimes the information that they're given is just wrong yeah and sometimes it's intentional that that information wasn't given to them and um you know i mean most times doctors are doing their absolute best um yeah. you know they they can't know everything about every subject and every specialty i mean that's it, it, it's simply impossible um they're doing what the best they can and they're going on the information that they have um and i have had a number of times where doctors were well, most of the times they're like ah you're blah 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 <laughs> lawyer and you're crazy yeah. and i won't listen to you but there have been times when they've said, thank you. I did not know that. And there have been times in these litigations, and this happened a lot in the uh, transvaginal mesh litigation. Mm -hmm. These doctors felt terrible. I mean, they were furious. They were furious that they had been sold this bill of goods by the company and that they had implanted these products in these women. And they were seeing just the horrendous, you know, devastating effects of the products. And they, they were traumatized. I mean, and they're, and here they are now the, 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 the patients coming back and they're trying to help them and remove it. And it still is not going to alleviate the problem. So there were times in, in that litigation, others too, but that one was really, the doctors were just so pissed. I mean, they were just like, I cannot believe this. I can't believe this. I did this to so many patients and I had no idea. I mean, they were furious. So, um, you know, so a lot of times the doctors are on our side. um, And then other times they just hate us because they hate us, even if we're right. No, I mean, I think that's, it's understandable for them to be frustrated. You know, they, I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of them get into the business to care for people and to, to make their lives better and to save them from pain. And so to feel like. Be doing the opposite. First do no harm. And then they find out that they've done harm unintentionally. You know, they've kind of been led down that path. Um, You know, so again, I mean, we're not doctors, but I, I mean, we are making available the studies that we 
we rely on, that the other attorneys also involved in these litigations are relying on. Mm-hmm. And feel free to, to read through them. Um, and, you know, again, oftentimes there are studies that, that uh, contradict. Um, and that's part of the whole key of figuring these things out yeah. is, you know, what's right, what's wrong, how do these things weigh out? Um, and again, even if it's not 100%, should you warn that there's an enhanced risk, that there's, you know, this is more likely? And then let the consumer, let the patient decide if they want to take that take that risk or not. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really crazy to hear. And, um, you know, I, I just want to kind of throw in there as well. I know that we talk about a lot of topics that are definitely kind of hard to believe, you know, honestly, just hard to believe, hard to swallow. And um, especially a lot of the numbers that we've thrown out there. And that's why I want to, you know, focus on if, if people are curious about these studies that we're mentioning and mentioning in this podcast, check out the description. We'll have all the links to all the studies. We'll probably throw some pop-ups in the podcast as well. And you can do the research there. um, And we'll also probably do some videos as well, kind of walking through it. I know definitely for the autism and the Tylenol thing, I think that's something that's, it's, it's really crazy to hear. It's crazy to hear. And I think, um, you know, us kind of going through the studies and going through who's doing it and what the specific numbers are will definitely help a lot. Yeah. So we're going to take some, some deep dives into some of those and, you know, it might be boring to some people, so we won't do that on the podcast, but they'll be, we'll, we'll provide those links as well. Nice little new series, deep dive. If there is any topics that you guys want, just some solid facts on just right. I mean, you're always getting solid facts, but you want some (laughs) real deep facts in on there. Um, definitely throw in some topics and we can do, um, some deep dives in there. But with that being said, I think we're, we're ready to close out the podcast. I don't know if you have any closing out statements or, or final. Well, just um, kind of one last reminder on the scholarship. We've actually got a lot of um, applications, so that's kind of exciting. But nice. that is closing at the end of May. So um, anybody who wants to um, submit an application for the um, scholarship, go to our web- head to our website, check that out. Um, and then as far as, so next week, we are going to be talking about um, some, the exact tech joint replacement recall. Um, so hip, knee, and ankle cases. As well as probably Vegas stories. Oh my God, what was then, I thinking? <laughs> by then we'll have been uh, finished with our trip. We'll have gone and, and rubbed shoulders with the top dogs, good old Pappy <laughs> over there. And um Yeah, we'll have some good stories. I'm excited for the next show. Yes, me too. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Yes. Thank you. Remember to uh, follow our socials, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and we'll see you next week. Prioritizing profits. Prioritizing Prioritizing profits. Dangerous drug and product cases.